Hello everyone, this is a bonus episode for Invader Sports. I'll be your host today, Sam Peebles. If you want to check out more from me, you can check out Braves Dugout Podcast. It is a bonus episode. We're going to be talking about all things MLB. Now, we want to talk about specifically the playoffs because we're coming up in September. Playoff prime time. The Playoff picture has become more clear. We we know who was probably going to be in the playoffs. The wild card races are close. The division races are close. So we're going to talk about those. But one of the things we really want to dig in today is that not all records are created equal. You can't just look at a team and look at their record and just automatically say, oh, this is a better team than the other team. Team A may have a much easier schedule than Team B and vice versa. Or they may have performed really well in one-run games when the other team hasn't. Or more specifically, what if they only win against bad teams and lose against good teams? Everything is not within the run differential in the record. So we really want to dig into that. We want to talk about playoff odds. What are the chances that your favorite team is going to make it into the playoffs this year? And once they do, do they have a shot of making it past the first round? Well, guess what? We're going to dig into that today. And it's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it. Since this is the first bonus episode talking about MLB with me, just want to introduce myself a little bit so that you know I have a little bit of credibility if you haven't heard about me before. My name is Sam Peebles. I am the host and creator of Braves Dugout Podcast, but I'm also a contributing writer for Tomahawk Take and Sports Talk ATL. My podcast is the number one sports podcast currently on Good Pods. I'm verified on Good Pods. I'd say all this to say... I spend a lot of time doing research on this stuff. I'm a stat nerd. I'm a stat head. So know that a lot of time was put into this research. I do the research so that you don't have to. It's my way of giving back to the MLB community. So I hope you enjoy these statistics. I hope you enjoy these numbers and know that I do this not to say that I'm smart, but because I know that I've probably researched it more than you. And so what that means is you get to just sit back and reap in the research because I think it's my job to give back to the MLB community for everything that the MLB community has done for me. And I just love baseball and I love statistics. And you know what? I'm going to share it with you and I'm going to give you my thoughts. And I hope that you go away from this episode feeling like you learned something about how the playoff races work, how strength of schedule works, how certain statistics maybe you haven't heard of works. And I hope you leave this episode learning at least one thing. If you did, I did my job and maybe you'll come back for more in the future. So with that, let's go ahead and start talking about the division races as we know them right now. At the time of this recording, this is what the playoff picture currently looks like. Just in case the playoff picture has changed by the time you listen to this episode because the playoff picture is changing daily. But currently at this snapshot in time, the current playoff picture is as follows. In the National League, you have currently the San Francisco Giants with the number one seed which is crazy to think about who in their right mind at the beginning of the year, other than San Francisco Giants fans, thought the Giants would have the number one seed. A lot of that is due to their excellent starting pitching. It's been absolutely insane to see guys like their fourth best pitcher, Logan Webb, rookie, is better than most teams' best starting pitcher. They've got 
four starting pitchers that would be a top two rotation piece for any team in the league. Kevin Gossman is killing it. He has 5.1 wins above replacement. Absolutely ridiculous. When he pitched for the Braves, we were happy to see him leave. And at this point, for the Giants, he's got 5.1 wins above replacement. That's higher than current starting pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. In 21 games, Logan Webb, who I just talked about, has an insanely low 2.56 ERA, which we know ERA is not everything. ERA is a result stat on how many runs they give up per nine, but there's a lot of other variables that go into it. The defense they have behind them, the ballpark they are playing in, and as we know, the Giants Stadium is very much a pitcher-friendly park, but... When you factor all that in, you have what's called ERA plus, which adjusts for all of that stuff. And Logan Webb has an ERA plus of a 162, which means he's 62% better than league average at preventing runs. He also has an extremely low FIP, 2.9 FIP. If you're unfamiliar with that stat, that is fielding independent pitching. And what that attempts to do is that it takes out the defense behind the pitcher because the pitcher cannot control the defense that is behind them. So you take out the defense and just look at purely what the pitcher is doing and you can see how well he's doing and that's a 2.9. So essentially that's saying his ERA would be a 2.9 if he had a league average defense behind him. If you like expected FIP, which uses his peripherals and looks at the way he's pitching and what it would actually be expected that you think his FIP would be if luck actually was not bad. If it was just straight not good luck, not bad luck, just expected fielding independent pitching based on fan graphs, which is, if you don't know about fan graphs, is either you go to fan graphs, depending on the stats that you like, you want to bounce them between fan graphs and baseball reference. They show you the best, most in-depth stats you can get for baseball. Fan graphs shows his XFIP, expected FIP, at even an even lower 2.81. And that was a guy that no one even expected other than Giants fans to come in and be successful. And that's only two of the five rotation pieces the Giants have been floating. Throwing Alex Wood and Anthony DiSclefani, that's an impressive four-man top, four-man punch rotation right there. All five of their starting pitchers have better than league average ERA+. Plus. All five. When I say all five, I mean the five that have gotten the most innings pitched. Every single one of them has an ERA plus of 101 or higher, three of them having 128 or higher. Logan Webb and Kevin Gossman. Logan Webb, if he would have pitched the entire season, and Kevin Gossman himself, both should be getting Cy Young votes. Throw in a resurgent season from Buster Posey and Brandon Belt having a very good season, better than normal, and guys like Brandon Crawford, who should probably get MVP votes just based on his overall game, and it the Giants have been very successful this year. Enough gushing about the Giants, though. They've got the number one seed, but you got the Dodgers right behind them in the division, with the num- currently with the number four seed in the playoffs in the National League. Then you have the Braves currently with the third seed with the Phillies trailing right behind them. And then you've got the Brewers with the number two seed. And then currently in the wild card lead is the San Diego Padres. If we go over to the American League, Tampa Bay, who continues to be amazing with an extremely low payroll, continued to impress. And I'm going to be honest with you, when they traded Blake Snell, I thought they were going to take a few steps back, and they did not. 
I know Blake Snell was not pitching like he normally had been the past few years, but I did not expect the Rays to just trade off Blake Snell and still be just as good, if not better. Then you got the Houston Astros, who, unless you're a Houston Astros fan, probably don't want to see this. And the number is in the number two seed. White Sox, very expected in the division that they play in, leading their division, the American League Central, with the number three seed. Currently, you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox will be playing each other in the wild card game. How crazy would that be if it ends up happening that way? Now, that's the current seeds, but what do the division races look like? Well, anyone can look up league standings, right? You didn't come to this podcast for me to read off league standings. I'll tell you the standings at the time of this recording just so you get some idea of where we're at in the snapshot in time because this is not a live podcast. So I'm going to give you the standings, but then I'm going to give you some highlights of what really sticks out about these standings because like we said earlier, not all records are created equal. So we're going to talk about the standings, where they stand, and what truly sticks out about these standings and about these races. The American League is pretty much set on who's going to win. Anything can happen, I guess you could say, but not really anything. But some things could still happen, but it seems like the division winners are kind of in place here. It doesn't look like other teams are going to catch up, and it's pretty obvious that the White Sox are going to win their division. They're 10 games ahead the other teams in their division are terrible. Cleveland Indians, soon-to-be Guardians, are one game above 500, and they're in second place, whereas the White Sox are 79 and 58. That's just not going to change. They're go- the White Sox are going to win their division. AL East, the Yankees, Red Sox, and Rays, even the Blue Jays, are all very good teams across all stretch of the imagination, all four teams. I feel bad for the Blue Jays, you know, being 12 games over 500 and their best shot is to catch their own division rival who is three games ahead of them in the wild card race. But that's just the way, the luck of the draw, strength of schedule, how things work, right? And that's where they're at. And then, of course, you've got the American League West, which it looks like the Astros. They This is the closest division left in the American League between the Oakland Athletics and the Houston Astros, with the Astros being six games ahead. And then over in the National League, you've got the Braves currently winning the National League East with the closest division race in Major League Baseball currently being a game and a half above the Phillies. And then you've got the Brewers, who look like a virtual lock to win their division, being 11 games ahead of the Reds. And then you've got the Dodgers and the Giants neck and neck in the the National League West. So what's really interesting here is we see these records, but what I like to point out is looking at projections of what we think is going to happen. And if you look at Fangraphs, Fangraphs, again, is a place that you really want to go look for things like this. And what they do is they'll look at projected remaining strength of schedule and the opponents that they have, and they can kind of project what are the odds that a team is going to make the playoffs. Well, As the divisions are shaking out, it becomes pretty clear that the Rays have a 100% chance to make the playoffs with a 9% chance of winning the World Series 
and a 96.5% chance to win their division. Pretty straightforward on who's going to win that one, with the Yankees having a 2.2% chance of winning their division, Red Sox with a 1.1% chance of winning their division. The Yankees have an 80.2% chance of winning the wild card, with the Red Sox having a 78.4% chance of winning the wild card. And then winning the World Series is the Rays 9%, Yankees 7.3%, Red Sox 5.9%. The Blue Jays are not technically out of it yet. They still have a 25.9% chance to win the wild card, but it doesn't look likely. Then you come down to the AL Central. There's really not any reason to even look at this. It's White Sox, White Sox, White Sox. The White Sox have a 100% chance to win their division, a 13% chance to win the World Series. And if obviously if they have a 100% chance to win the division, they have a 100% chance to make the playoffs. We go down to the Astros. Again, it's pretty much just the Astros. You've got a 98.3% chance of making the playoffs, a 97.4% chance of winning their division, and a 15.3% chance to win the World Series. You go down. Let's start with the National League Central because that one is more straightforward. The Brewers have a 100% chance to make the playoffs, a 100% chance to win their division, and a 10% chance of winning the World Series, which means there's really no reason to talk about. The other, the rest of the teams other than the Reds have a 37.8% chance to win a wild card. And then you go down to the National League West, where currently the Giants lead the Dodgers by one game, but based on strength of schedule, it looks like the Dodgers and the Giants both have a 100% chance to make the playoffs, but it looks like Fangraphs has the Dodgers winning the division at 65.5% chance and the Giants at a 34.5% chance to win their division. It looks like they have the Giants at a 65.5% chance of wild card with the Padres at a 42% chance of winning a wild card. They currently have the Dodgers as the current favorite to win the World Series at 21.9%. So let's jump over to the closest remaining race in the National League, or in baseball in general, and that is the National League East. You've got the Braves with a 69.5% chance to make the playoffs and a 63.7% chance to win the division. Phillies at 31.3% chance to win the division at a 39.9% chance of making the playoffs. The Braves have a 5.8% chance to win the World Series, and the Phillies had a 1.7% chance to win the World Series. Obviously, I'm a little biased here doing a Braves dugout podcast, so I've done a ton of research on this division. And let me just tell you, this division is getting a lot more flack than what people are giving them. They're saying, you know, it's the weakest division. The only reason the Braves are winning is because it's a weak division. That's just simply not true, okay? Now, the division is more top-heavy than it was before the trade deadline. But before the trade deadline, all five teams in the same division were within two games of being 500 against each other, against their own division, which means not that the... I'm not saying the National League East is the best or the strongest division in the National League. No, National League West is obviously a stronger division, but to say that is a bad division is just simply not true. I mean, you can look at the National League Central here. The Brewers are running away with it, and the four teams below them don't have a chance of making the playoffs because they're all bad. The Reds are decent. 
I'll give you that. But the Cardinals, Cubs, and Pirates, all three of them in the same division? Come on. The Brew, whenever a team is in a division, they play their division more than any other division. And so when you have a division where you're really the let's look at the White Sox and the Brewers, right? When you when a large majority of your games are against bad teams, you're going to have more wins. For example, the White Sox still have a terrible strength of schedule. Well, let me put it this way, a weak strength of schedule. A weak strength of schedule. Their strength of schedule is a 4.474. That's the average winning percentage of their schedule, the people that they play, right? But you look at a team like the Mets has a 5-12. I mean, it's not equal. All schedules are not created equal. Before the trade deadline, the National League East was eating themselves alive. Now that the Nationals have done a sell-off and the Marlins are have done a, have sold some players, you can see now that you know the Nationals are no longer good, the Marlins are not a threat, and then the Mets have had injuries to DeGrom. Baez was acquired but then hurt. Lindor has been hurt. You know, they've they've had a ton of injuries. Uh, they've started to lose as well. But to say that that division is weak is just simply false. Now, do I think the Atlanta Braves are a favorite to win the National League East? Yes. Do I think the Braves are a favorite to win the World Series? Absolutely not. Let's be real here. They're not as good as the Dodgers. They're not as good as the Giants. Now, let me get off of my soapbox about the National League East, and let's talk about some other things that stick out to me when I look at these records, okay? First, I want to talk about the Brewers. Everyone is talking about the Brewers for good reason. I mean, they've got a solid pitching rotation, and that will win you games in the playoffs. As you saw a few years ago when the Nationals won the World Series, they didn't even win their division, and they didn't have the best offense, but you know what they did have? Solid rotation. And in the playoffs, you don't need a five-man rotation. You truly only need a three-man rotation. Most teams like to run a four-man for the first series or so, but if you have a solid three-man rotation, which the Nationals did have and the Brewers currently have, you have a very high probability of doing well in the playoffs. But the Brewers do not have the best offense. But one thing I want to look at is run differential, okay? From a very high level, you can look at a run differential and kind of see a story behind the scenes. And what I mean by that is that not only are all schedules not created equally, but you have one-offs. Like maybe a team has been really unlucky in one-run games and has had a ton of one-run games that just simply didn't go their way. Now, if it's a trend where you lose like 90% of one-run games, maybe you just have a terrible bullpen. But there is times when, you know, you just simply had bad luck to where you're having one-run games that just simply didn't go your way or things like that. And from a very high, high level, you can look at run differentials and say, okay, this team is probably better than what their record shows, or maybe they're not as good as what their record shows based on run differential. Because ultimately, you can't just look at an offense and say, oh, 
They have scored the most runs, therefore they are the best team. That's just not true. If you look at the Cincinnati Reds, they have scored the second most runs in the National League. Are they the second best team in the National League? Absolutely not. They're 11 games behind the Milwaukee Brewers in a bad division. Okay, so you can't just look at the total number of runs scored. You also can't just look at the total number of runs against because you look at a team like the Marlins and they have only given up 577 runs, whereas the Nationals have given up 686, but they have the same record. So ultimately, your goal as a team is not to score the most runs or to give up the fewest runs. Your goal as a team is to score more runs than your opponent. That's how you win. It's not, hey, the first person to 10 wins, or hey, the person that can keep the other team from scoring 10 runs the longest wins. It's who scores more than their current opponent. And so if you look, let's use the Milwaukee Brewers for an example. They have a run differential of 106, positive 106. That means they have scored 106 more runs than they have given up. And you can use some algorithms based on run differential to determine what your expected win-loss record should be. The Brewers, at the time of this recording, have a win-loss record of 84-55. and 55. But based on their run differential, they've been a bit lucky. They have an expected win-loss record of 81-58. and 58. That would still put them way ahead of the Cincinnati Reds. In fact, it still put them nine games ahead of the Cincinnati Reds. So it's not that big of a deal. But you can look at things like that to kind of see a story of where a team sits. What have they been lucky with? Or how have they done? Another example is you want to look at how well have they done against good teams and bad teams. Well, that doesn't tell the whole story, but from a high level, you can see the Brewers are 35 and 31 against teams that are bet 500 or better, actually greater than 500. And that means they are okay, but it's not like they're the Giants who are 43 and 32 against teams that are over 500, right? Or it's not like, you know, or really the, the Padres are 37 and 30. They're better against 500 teams but they're 14 and a half games behind their division leader. So as you can see, not all, not all records are equal. And I want to continue on this trend of not all records being equal. And I'm sorry that I'm picking on the Brewers. First of all, Brewers fans, if you're listening, you have a fantastic team. Okay, don't take this as me dogging the Brewers. They're a fantastic team. Currently, they're slotted to play against the Braves and as a Braves fan I am nervous to face the Brewers because they have a very solid rotation with a very high chance of being successful in the playoffs so please do not take this it's just a very easy team to pinpoint some statistics on how records are not created equal okay but back to picking on the Brewers again I just want to kind of give an example of how what division you play in and who you play against matters So back to looking at the Brewers, you can see that maybe 
they're not maybe their excellent record has something to do with the division they play in okay and what I mean by that is if you look at them playing against the National League East which I said is not as bad as other teams or other fans of other teams have said check this out the Brewers who are 11 games ahead in their division with an 84 and 55 record here is their record against the top three teams in the National League East. They're 3-3 three and three against the Braves currently. They're 0-5 against the Phillies, although they are currently beating the Phillies at the time of this recording. But they're currently 0-5 against the Phillies, and even if they win tonight, are 1-5 against the Phillies. And they're 1-2 against the Mets. The top three teams in the National League East have at least a 500 up to a 1,000 record against the Brewers. But if you look at the bad teams that the Brewers have played, the Diamondbacks, the Pirates, and the Rockies, they have a combined record of 20-7. and seven. If you have a bunch of games against bad teams like the Pirates, you have a higher probability to have more wins. It's the way that the Brewers have been. That's not to say that if they were to play in, say, the National League East, that they wouldn't be winning the National League East. They may. But... It's just to say that you can't look at two different divisions and say, oh, well, for example, the Braves currently sit at only a game and a half above the Phillies in their division with only a 72 and 64 record, and the Brewers have an 84 and 55 record with 11 games ahead of the Reds. That means that if the Braves played in the National League Central, the Braves would be in third because the Cincinnati Reds have a 73-66 and 66 record. That's just not the case. It doesn't work like that because they have different schedules. So you have to look at that. You have to look at who they played. But on the flip side, the Braves are kind of the same way. We go back to the run differential here, okay? You know, you we talked about how you can look at a run differential and kind of see how a team should how well a team should be doing and you can kind of look at the Braves and they're they're very very rare oddity of a team as far as run differential records go okay so they currently have a positive 94 run differential which based on that algorithm that we used for the Brewers would mean that they would have a much better record of 77 and 59 instead of 72 and 64 and a big reason for this, and unfortunately, I know exactly, I don't even have to look at the stats, but it's because they have been failing at one-run games, right? So whenever they play one-run games, they are 22-26. and 26. The only other team in the division that's worse than that is Miami Marlins at 15-26. and 26. The Milwaukee Brewers, on the other hand, are 19-12. and 12. And the Braves are three and seven in extra innings, whereas the Brewers are ten and eight. So the run differential does not tell the whole story, but what it does show is that if a team is good, they are a decent team, over a period of time, those things could change. The Milwaukee Brewers are not going to continue to be that successful in extra innings, although it is impressive. 
the Braves would not continue to be that bad in extra innings, although it is terrible over a longer period of time. It's just because both teams are both good teams or have played bad or good teams. You got to look at the league average and see how teams do and kind of judge trends, right? So run differential is cool, but it's definitely not the whole story. Also with the Braves, their run differential doesn't tell the whole story because they are very streaky in the amount of runs they score. If you were to look and say, hey, since the All-Star break, they've averaged 5.52 runs per game. That's an excellent offense. But they've scored three runs a game against right-handed pitching. So that's not going to stay the same at 5.52 runs per game because scientifically speaking, there's more right-handed pitchers than there are left-handed pitchers. It's just science. So that trend of 5.52 runs is going to shift because in a weird stretch of time, somehow the Braves have played against more left-handed pitching starters than right-handed pitching starters since the break. So that would change. Also, they have scored... 20-plus runs in multiple games. They've had multiple games where they've scored over 15 runs. There was a time when they scored 26% of their runs in only six games. They had multiple games where they scored three runs or less, more games that they scored three runs or less than they had games that they scored more than three runs. But you add in those anomaly games of against the Pirates, they scored 20 runs, and then 20 runs over here, and then 15 runs over there. And you add that into the run differential when they won like 20 to 1. I mean, that's a 19 run run 19 run shift in the run differential that completely skews your expected win loss record. So from a high level, you can see a story from run differential. But if you dig into the specifics, you can find more about records. And when you do that with the Braves and you do that with the Brewers, you can kind of see different trends. But the main thing I want to get at here, the ultimate thing is what I'm getting at, is you can't use, you cannot cherry pit statistics like run differential. Take them with a grain of salt. Do your research. And also, all divisions are not created equal. As you can see with the Brewers, they were not that excellent against teams with a really good record. Also, they have not played as many teams with good records as teams like the Braves and the Phillies. The Brewers have played 66 games against winning teams, whereas the Braves have played 80. Big difference, right? So now that we've been on this high horse about the divisions and how they matter and who you play, how they matter. Let's talk about the division leaders and the shockers or the ones that we may be shocked aren't going to perform as well in the playoffs or may shock us in the playoffs and do well in the playoffs. Because you can look at records and see who they've played, how well they've done against those teams, and kind of make an educated expectancy guess. And that's what stats are used for anyways when it comes to things like this. We cannot predict the future, but 
it's all about probabilities, right? And let me give you a, a metaphor here, right? Let's say you go to the gas station and you have $1 to buy a lottery ticket. You, one lottery ticket costs $1 with a 20% chance to win $100. Or you have another lottery ticket that costs $1 that has a 5% chance to win $100. Which one are you going to buy? You're going to buy the one with a 20% chance, right? Because it has a higher probability. But guess what? That lottery ticket might lose and the other one might win. But over a long period of time, the higher probability one is going to win more often. And so whenever you look at expectancy stats, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to predict based on probabilities the right moves. And that, this is across baseball as a whole. Any move that you make, you want to use the highest probability of winning. That's why we look at things like wins above replacement, wins probability added, expectancy stats like expected batting average, expecting slugging, expected weighted on base average, things like that. Because although nothing is guaranteed, you want to give yourself the best chance and put your team in the best possible position to win. So you can do the same thing when you gamble, when you make predictions. And so that's what if you're a betting person and you're trying to figure out, or even if you're not, if you're just trying to make educated guesses and have fun with this thing, and you want to see, hey, who has the best chance of winning? Well, you got to dig into the stats and look at who has the highest probability of winning. And so the what things you want to look at is you want to see how teams have performed against other teams, right? And things change. And what I mean by that is that the trade deadline has happened. Teams have had injuries, right? So you can dig and dig and dig and go down these rabbit holes for hours and hours and hours and hours. Truly, you can. But I'm going to do a very high level looking at teams' records and say, hey, you might be shocked to know that, etc. And so let's look at these records and just kind of, I just want to point some things out to say, hey, maybe you might be shocked that this team isn't as good or probably does not have as high of a probability to win their first round division playoffs or whatever as you might think. So here's some shockers, okay? First, let's start with the New York Yankees. Obviously a very good team. They just had a crazy long winning streak. It was crazy to see the Braves versus the Yankees both going against each other with nine-game winning streaks. The Yankees are obviously a good team. They performed well against most divisions and most teams. They've got winning record against the National League teams. They've got a winning record against the American League West. They have dominated the American League Central, again, proving that the American League Central might be the weakest division in all of baseball, with a 20-8 and eight record against American League Central. But in their own division, they have a losing record of 28-33. and 33. A lot of that has to do with the Tampa Bay Rays absolutely dominating them. But if their division was determined just based on their record against their own division, the New York Yankees would be in fourth place, right above the Baltimore Orioles. So this shows me that, one, they're not heads and shoulders above 
their own division competition. The Red Sox could win the wild card game against them. If they end up playing the Rays in the playoffs, they probably do not have a shot. Not to mention that their record against the Orioles, who have had a historic losing streak this season, says a lot. They have a 9-7 and record against one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball has seen in years. They've lost 7 of their 16 games against the Orioles. So, sure, the Yankees can get hot, but they can get cold. So, it they that's pretty shocking with, when, if you think about it like that. So, it'll be interesting to see how they do in the playoffs because they probably are not as good as we currently think they are after seeing them come off of this pretty awesome winning streak that they've gone on. I'm a big fan of the roster that the White Sox has come up with and made over the years. I think that the front office has done a fantastic job of making that team a competitor again. But it is very, very hard to tell how good the White Sox are going to be just based on their record against their own division. They're 38-27, and 27, so they completely dominated their division. But the thing is, is their division is so bad. Like, the Detroit Tigers are 25 and 39 in their own division. They're 8 and 8 against the National League. Again, this is the third place team in the American League Central, right? And they are 18 and 16 against the American League West and 14 and 11 against the East. And then the second place Indians look to be super lucky to even have the record that they have because other than doing really well in their own weak division of 35 and 23 against the American League East they're 11 and 20 and against the American League West they're 13 and 16 so the Chicago White Sox seem to be playing in a super weak division the one thing that's going in their way that shows they might have been trending that they could have more wins is that they have not fared well in one run games meaning that any given day, that could have flipped a little bit and their record could have been slightly better. Speaking of one-run games, the one team that, another team in the American League that probably is not as good as they look is the Seattle Mariners. They're 75-63 and 63, and they have not done well against the weak American League Central at 13-16 and 16, and they are 29-16. and 16 in one-run games. They by far have the best record of one-run games in the American League, and it's not even close, which tells me, one, they either got lucky, or two, if they continue to play that many games where they're within one run of another team, at some point they're going to lose some of those games. They're also 14-5 and five in extra innings. That trend cannot continue. Yes, you can have a good bullpen and do well in those situations. No doubt about it. But if you're playing more one-run games than anybody else, your probability of losing games is higher. So if over time, for the rest of September, Seattle will probably start losing some games. I don't foresee them being as good as their record shows. Moving on to the... National League Central, 
we've already talked about the Brewers, right? We've already talked about them. We've talked about them enough. They have the rotation to be successful, but their record is a little bit better than probably what they are if they were to play in a different division. So we won't harp on them too much longer. So let's talk about the National League East as a whole. They have not fared well against the National League West, even with the National League West having two really bad teams in the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies. Sure, the their third-place team in San Diego on paper is a very good team who has been super successful against every American League team they've played, has a winning record against the National League Central, a 500 record against the National League West. Padres could be a team to watch for to be a shocker that might actually do well if they can make it into the playoffs and win that wild card game. But the National League East, one thing that's super scary about them is that if you look at their record against National League West, the Braves are 8 and 10, the Phillies are 12 and 16, and the Mets are 16 and 17. And even the Miami Marlins are 17 and 17. The, they have the best record against the National League West. So if any of the National League East teams, whoever wins the division, if they draw a National League West team, they are in trouble. So that's why I think for the Atlanta Braves, how the playoffs stand now, their best chance is right now where if they drew the Milwaukee Brewers. On the other hand, the Brewers are probably hoping to draw the National League West. And this is why we love baseball. Some of the things are just so crazy. The Atlanta Braves, who are 3-3 three and three against the Brewers, struggle against the National League West. But the Brewers absolutely dominate the National League West with a record of 23-9. and nine. Sure, they have dominated the Colorado Rockies and Arizona Diamondbacks. We already talked about that. But they have stayed afloat against the other teams as well. It's kind of interesting. Truly, it is. So moving on to one more shocking stat as far as records go that will kind of blow your mind. And this is moving on to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the World Series favorites for a reason. On paper, they by far have the best roster on paper. No doubt about it. Of course, the Rays are right behind them. But check this out. The Dodgers are 42-8. and against the Nationals, Pirates, Rockies, Diamondbacks, and Mets, all teams with losing records, and 45 and 43 against everyone else. So does that mean the Dodgers just dominate weak teams but are mediocre against good teams? Do we know this? Well, on paper, they're a fantastic team, but what does these records show us? Are the Dodgers overrated? I would say no, but... This would say that maybe they're not quite as good as we think. So my bold prediction is that the Dodgers do not win the World Series this year because once they face solid competition, they are not as good as their record indicates. So let's get into predictions. First, I'm going to say my predictions on who's going to make the wild card ultimately. And then I'm going to say who I think is going to win the World Series. So let's start with the wild card race. It's going to be fun because it's getting down to the wire. 
Currently in the American League, we have a very solid race. There's still plenty of teams still in it. Currently with the Yankees, half a game ahead of the Red Sox for the two spots. Remember now, the wild card has two wild card spots with a wild card game. Currently the Yankees lead half a game over the Red Sox and the Red Sox hold the second wild card spot and we have three teams that could legitimately catch up with the Toronto Blue Jays three games behind the Red Sox, Seattle Mariners with three games behind in the Oakland Athletics. My prediction is that the Seattle Mariners will fall off here shortly because they have been extremely lucky with one-run games. If they continue to play this many one-run games, they're going to start losing some of those games. I think Toronto is better than what they say, but I do think that it will still be the Yankees and the Red Sox ultimately. I think Oakland will actually surpass Seattle and Toronto and come in third place behind the Boston Red Sox but I do not see them catching the Red Sox. Even though the Red Sox and the Yankees are not doing so great, Toronto is on a run. They've won eight of their last ten, where the Yankees have lost seven of their last ten. The Red Sox have lost five of their last ten. I do think the Athletics are going to make a push because they seem to have a slightly easier schedule than the rest of the other teams, so they're going to make a push there at the end, but ultimately... Based on the records that they have, I do believe that the Yankees and the Red Sox will, in fact, have the two wild card spots. I know, kind of boring, but based on projections of wins and remaining strength of schedule, odds are in their favor for that to happen. In the National League, it's pretty obvious that whoever comes in second place in the National League West is going to win the first wild card spot because the Dodgers are. 13 and a half games ahead of the Padres. So it looks like the National League West might even take the final and only wild card spot left essentially as well if the Padres continue to win. But currently the Reds are only one game behind the Padres. The Phillies are only two games and the Cardinals are three and a half games. No way the Cardinals are catching up. The Cardinals have been really bad. They've lost three in a row. The Phillies, though, have won eight of their last ten and have a weak schedule coming for the rest of the season. My prediction is that San Diego, even though they are better than what their record shows, I think that it's going to be Philadelphia and San Diego fighting for that final spot and not the Cincinnati Reds. And based on the remaining strength of schedule and projected win totals, I do believe, and this is my bold prediction here, even though I think the Padres are a very good team, I think that whoever comes in second place in the National League East will ultimately win the second wild card spot because the Padres have a pretty rough schedule for the rest of the season compared to the rest of the season for the Braves and the Phillies who have relatively weak schedules for the rest of the season. So that's my bold prediction for wild card. Now, here's my prediction for who I think is going to win the World Series. This is going to sound cliche, but I do not think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, but I do think that they're going to make it to the World Series. 
And that more so is speaking to, I think that the Braves are not as good as they were last year. The Phillies are nowhere near in the same league as the Dodgers. Even though the Dodgers have not been super successful against good teams. And I do think that the Brewers, with the division that they have played in, their record is not a good indication of how good they are. I do think that their uh, starting pitching is great, but how much of that ERA that you see from those pitchers is based on the terrible offenses that they pitched against. So I do think that the the Dodgers and the Giants are by far the biggest threat. I do, however, think that the Dodgers will ultimately win and make it to the World Series because they, the Giants can go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers pitching-wise, but the depth that the Dodgers have, they can sustain more injuries than the Giants can, right? So if there's any injuries down the stretch, the Dodgers have more depth, and so they probably, in my opinion, have a better chance of winning their division, which Fangraphs agrees with me. And if they win their division, then they jump from the fourth seed to the first seed, which makes their path to the World Series much easier. So I'm going to say the Dodgers go to the World Series in the National League. And for much for the same reason, I think that the Rays are going to win the American League again, just because they are much... By far the best team in the American League East, which is by far the best division in the American League. The Astros have a very, very good team, and the Athletics and the Mariners have surprised a lot of us, but the White Sox, they just don't have it. They are another step in the right direction of being... The White Sox are going to be competitive for years to come. But I do not believe that this is the year that they make it all the way to the World Series. They're a few pieces short. The Astros are a few pieces short. Even with Carlos Correa having MVP-type numbers, uh, much of the pitching overachieving, I do believe it's a safe bet, and I know that is so boring. But I think the Tampa Bay Rays are going to win the World Series over the Dodgers this year based on what I've seen. Sorry to disappoint If you want me to give you a dark horse, I think my dark horse will be that it's going to be, if I'm going to pick someone else, I'm going to say that if it's not those two teams, it's going to be probably the Giants for the National League and the Astros for the American League. Those are my second place teams that probably make it the second furthest. Uh, so if those two teams, the original two teams, don't make it to the to the World Series, those are my next two teams. I think they'll make it to the World Series based on their strength of schedule, their depth, because they're going to sustain injuries in September. It's a long season. There's going to be more injuries that happen. If you got teams that are very good with their starters, but they don't have a solid bench, they're just not going to be able to handle the injuries. And that's why before the Braves made a bunch of moves, to boost their outfield, they didn't have a chance to win their division because they, they were starting two AAA outfielders for plenty of games, uh, guys that wouldn't even be starting on more than 50% of Major League rosters. But with that, that is my predictions for the wild card, for the divisions, talking about strength of schedule. If you take anything away from this episode, know that records 
are not everything. You have to dig in and see who they played, how they made it. You need to read the whole story. Cherry picking records is a terrible way to make predictions on how good teams are and how well they're going to do in the future. Because just like it's easier to see in sports like football where you only have 17 weeks and you can look at strength of schedule, but it's hard, I get it, over a 162-game season to really take the time to go down the rabbit hole of checking out how teams got to the record that they did. But it's important to gather as much data as you possibly can to try to tell the whole story when you're making a prediction or deciding what team is better than the other. You can't simply just look at the record and say, oh, well, they're a bad team or a good team based on the record. Well, obviously, the Pirates are bad. Obviously, the Dodgers are good. So you're not going to... You, you get what I'm saying, though. You can't just look at, oh, the Brewers have 84 wins. They're obviously leagues better than the Atlanta Braves. They probably are better than the Braves, ultimately, but they're not 11 games better than the Braves uh, based on schedules and things like that. Or you know that the Mariners are probably not better than the Padres. And Brewers fans, I know I keep picking on the Brewers. It's not about the Brewers. It's about the division they're in. The Brewers are a very good baseball team. It's that the teams that they have played has not proven that the Brewers are as good as their record shows. I do believe that if the Brewers were playing in a different division, this would be a completely different podcast episode. For the better or for worse. It just would be different. And that's the point I'm trying to get at, is that it matters. Strength of schedule matters. Who you play matters. One-run games matter. How you do in extra innings matters. All this stuff matters, and you have to take it into account to get as close of a good measurement of how good a team is. And with that, I'm signing off with invader sports again i'm sam peebles and if you want to hear more from me you can check out my weekly podcast award nominated podcast braves dugout podcast and uh, i'd be honored if you listen to that and i'm stoked that i have had the honor to host this episode for you this week and i hope that you truly enjoyed it and you gained something from it i am an mlb fan first and a braves fan second I love baseball, so with that, I'm going to say, go MLB, can't wait for the playoffs, whoever wins, it's going to be a fantastic postseason. Oh, thank you.